John Cannon and the Congregation of Victory Church welcome you to this message from the Word of God. It is our heartfelt desire to see you grow closer to the Lord and to help you become all that He has created you to be. Our prayer is that through this ministry you would come to know Him in a greater way and that these teachings from Scripture would better equip you to fulfill His plan in your life. Now, let's join Pastor John as we study the Word together. Back with us. That's a uh, you know once once you're a part of Victory Church, you're you're a lifetime member of Victory Church. Just want you to know that. So Rick, welcome home. Good to have you back visiting with us. Rick, stand up. I don't know if everybody knows who Rick is, but very much involved in our church at one time before he moved away with military and what have you. So Rick, thank you for visiting with us this weekend, and hope you enjoy our service today. I want to recognize two of our airmen that have just graduated. Sawyer, where is Sawyer? I lost him. Sawyer, stand up. Congratulations, just graduated tech school. Also, Kristen, stand up, just graduated tech school as well, her second phase. So, congratulations, guys. Keep up the good work, and we're certainly proud of both of you and all of our military. Thank you for serving, and you guys, the sacrifice you make, all of you uh, that are involved in the military and the families. Um, the sacrifice that families make is just off the charts. And uh, so I just want to say thank you for serving. Because of what you do, we're able to do what we do here and have the freedom we have here. And let's don't ever, ever take that for granted, church. Hello? Do you hear me? Don't ever take it for granted what we're able to have because of our men and women that serve and fight for our freedom. Because, listen, there are people out there that would love to wipe Christianity in the United States of America completely off the map. Thank God for our military. So let's give them a hand. Amen. So we certainly appreciate all of you. Did everyone receive your uh, week number three memory verse tag? If you did not receive this, hold your hand up and our ushers will get these. Uh, we got quite a few that did not receive these. So hold your hand up really high so they can see. This is our memory verse tag for the week and this is what we want you to get. You should have a keychain. If you did not receive a keychain, maybe this is your first week and you don't have a keychain. I think we've got those as well. So we can give you a keychain as well. So if you do not have your keychain, this is for your memory verses. Uh, to go on. Hold your hand up. They'll get you a keychain and a memory tag. Uh, and if you need to go back and get some of the tags from previous weeks, uh, you can see those out on the front patio uh, after the service there at the tent, our 40 Days in the Word tent on the front patio, and uh, pick up what you need there as far as our, uh, our memory verse tags, okay? All right, our memory verse for this week, week number three. Of course, it's our memory verse for the entire theme, our entire spiritual growth campaign in this 40 days in the word. Let's read this memory verse together. It says, do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Say that last part again. Do. Boy, it's so much more than just having head knowledge of God's word. It must come into our daily living, into our life, into our heart, and we must live it out and do it on a daily basis. So are you enjoying our small groups? Your small group, hope and pray everyone has, and uh, 
been enjoying those. And this past week, we studied how we are to picture it. We studied pronounce it in week one, picture it in week two. And then in week three, we're going to get in our small group studies again and study those out. So I want to encourage you, if you're not involved in a small group, there is still room for you to get connected and get involved in a small group. If you'll just stop at the tent on the front patio after the service and say, hey, help me get connected to a small group. We can get you connected to a small group. It's not too late to ever enter into one of our small groups. Uh, So we want you to get connected there. Also, if you just want to write on your connection card and drop it in the offering basket at the conclusion of the service, then we'll follow up with you this week and we'll share all the different small groups that meet all throughout the week, all throughout the area. And you can find the one that's best for you and for your family. So we want everyone to get connected uh, into a small, a small group. The last several weeks, the last three or four weeks, we've been really just preaching on, on the Bible. About four weeks ago, or actually maybe three weeks ago, I shared with you how we are to build our life on the Word of God. I mean, just really building our life. It really should transform us to where we are completely different people than what we used to be before we came to know Christ as our Savior. And now every single day, we're spending time in God's Word and we're establishing some principles, some values. We're building godly character in our life. God is in the process of transforming us into the image of His Son. And all of that takes place as we glean from God's Word every single day. So several weeks ago, I shared with you how we build our love on the Bible. And then the service after that, I shared with you, can we even trust it? And I went back and I shared with you some reasons why we can trust the Bible. And then last week we talked about how the Bible changes us and how God uses God, His Word to, to change us. And, and I always say this, and I believe it with all of my heart, God loves you too much to leave you the way you are. Would you agree with that? Man, he wants to bring you along and to be more like his son, to have more of a godly character, more principles and values. You know, there comes to a life where, or a point in our life where we quit living by the law and we start living by principles and values, right? I mean, you know, sometimes Paul says, yeah, you know, you can do that, but it may not be expedient for you to do that. You know, it may not be unlawful for you to do that, but it's probably not going to be for your best interest to do that. And that's where we start living our life. And that's called spiritual growth. And as we are growing in the word, we're becoming more like Christ and we're moving away from the do's and the don'ts. And, you know, some people will say, is it okay if I do this? Well, you know, it may be okay if you do it. But, but I don't know if it's the best thing for you to do. It may not be sinful if you do it, but it may not be the best thing for you to do it. Okay? So anyhow, that's talking about living on principles, and, and we've unpacked that a little bit. Today I want to talk about the, the doctrine, if you will, or the word or the subject of illumination. I really want to talk about the subject, seeing what God wants you to see. Guys, do you realize that that oftentimes our eyes are blinded to things and we need the Holy Spirit of God to remove the veil from our eyes so we can see what he wants us to see? And oftentimes that's in the word. It may be in our situations. It may be in our own individual lives as we're going through the day. Have, Have you ever gone through the day and you had one of those aha moments where... Huh, yeah, I see now. I understand now. Wow. Have you ever had one of those moments? Have you ever been reading God's Word and all of a sudden you read and maybe it's a passage of Scripture you've read numerous times and it never really jumped off the page at you. And all of a sudden now, this day, you're reading it maybe for the 14th. 
hundredth time, I don't know however many times you've been reading it, and all of a sudden now it's like you've read it for the very first time. And it just, boom, it just jumps off the page. And I'm like, wow, look at this verse. You ever had that happen? That's called those aha moments, those wow factor moments in life where whether it's in a situation that we may be in or it's in the word that we're reading. You know what that's called? That's called illumination. That's called where God is illuminating our mind to what he wants us to see. Guys, you realize that, that this is the only book that has ever been written to where you can talk to the author while you are reading the book. Hello? Now let that sink in. It's the only book that has ever been written. I mean, I tell you what, I love books. I mean, I have a personal li- library of books of around 7,000 volumes. I love books. Now, in this day and age, though, I've kind of gotten away from the hard copies, and that's 20-plus years of collecting books, and, and I've moved more into the digital realm, and I'm buying more e-books and digital books. And, and even in this iPad right here, there's about 10,000 books in this iPad. Isn't that amazing? And I can just carry the whole library around with me. And some of you have helped me move my office before and move some of my books. And, man, that's not easy to move that stuff around, is it? Right? So anyhow, I love books. But, and, and, and there's some books that I go and I read. And I'm like, man, I would love to just sit down with the author of this book and just pick his brain a little bit more. Now, I'm one of those visual kind of guys. And I'm one of those guys that when I read something, I'm marking in it. I'm highlighting on it. I'm writing notes about it in the front fly leaf and in the back of it. And I'm circling things and, and I'm asking questions. And, and I just like to just mark up some of my, my books as, as I read. And there's many times when I do that, I think, man, I would love to ask the author what he was really talking about here. Or maybe ask a few more penetrating questions to that author. Majority of the time, you never have that privilege. You never have that opportunity to really speak to the author. But I can assure you that whenever you read this book, whenever you have questions... Whenever you have things, man, I really wonder what he was talking about there. This is the only book, get this, and man, I say this with a smile on my face because it kind of excites me. This is the only book in the entire world that as you are reading it, you can talk to the author. Hello? You can ask him, what is it exactly you're trying to tell me here in your word? So today we're going to talk about illumination. We've got a lot of things lined up. I've got to move on. I can't hang out here on my introduction uh, too much. We've got a lot packed into this service. We're going to try to get to you today. But here's what I want you to write down before I go any further. I want you to write down the definition for illumination. I'll have it on the screen here for you. Illumination is this. Illumination is simply just letting the Holy Spirit... Show me the meaning of God's Word and how it applies to my life. Now, it's allowing the Holy Spirit to show me the meaning. I want you to write this down. On the back of your, um, uh, your, your worship folder, your bulletin, there's a place for you to take some notes. Uh, if you have on your iPad, your iPhone, your Kindle, or whatever devices that you're using to take notes, please write this down. You need to get a hold of this. This is what illumination really is. It's allowing the Holy Spirit of God to show me the meaning of His Word. And I've shared with you oftentimes that whenever you apply proper hermeneutics to God's Word, you'll discover that really it only means one thing, okay? The letter was written by one person to one group of people writing about one thing. You can't go in there and change the meaning. It's only going to mean one thing. It's always just going to mean one thing. Hello? 
But, however, there are numerous applications to the Word of God. Okay? We can apply it in numerous ways in our life. But if you're not careful, there are a lot, and I almost would say all of the occults, but I won't use the word all because that may be too, uh, too strong of a word. I will say the majority of the occults out there, they have started by taking a grain of truth and changing the meaning and building a whole another doctrine around it. I believe in all the occults, there is a grain of truth that is there. But you know what they've done? They've taken God's word and they have not applied proper hermeneutics to God's word. And they built a whole nother faith or a whole nother doctrine or a whole nother religion. Well, it's labeled in this politically correct age that we live in today. We don't want to call anything a cult. Hello? I mean, you know, but there are occults out there. Hello? I mean, you've heard of the people that drank the Kool-Aid, right? You know what that's called? Oh, don't call them cults. They were sincere. Now, listen, I'm not making fun of the people that died, but I am saying this. Those are occults that are out there. And we must take heed to what preachers across America are preaching because I promise you not all of them are preaching the whole counsel of a holy God. Hello? Some have taken the Word of God and changed it to mean something else. And we must be on guard against that. And the cool thing about it is... You have the author of the book living within your heart as your personal Lord and Savior. The Holy Spirit takes up residence there and he can show you all things that are proper, that are right in the word of God. All you've got to do is simply just ask him. Hello? Man, I love that part of illumination. Hello? He's there to show us the meaning of His Word, and He's there to show us how it applies to our life. In other words, you don't have to go at this alone. You don't have to go at this by yourself. Have you ever got into the Bible and said, man, I just don't understand it? You know what you really need to do? You really need to search your own life. I'm going to give you some practical things you need to do at the end of this message. But you really just need to search your life and maybe ask confession for the sin that's in there and, and ask God to show you what He's trying to show us in His Word. This morning, I want to take time, if I can, to go to about three different stories to give you an example of illumination. Now, when, I'm, when I land on these stories in God's Word, I'm not going to have time to park there, okay? I'm just not going to have time to sit there and unpack the entire story. I'm going to give you the, the, the canon cliff notes or the canon notes, okay? Give you a little canonology dealing with these particular stories and just kind of just hover there a little bit, give you an overview, a panoramic view of what's taking place here in these stories and they move on. But I think in all three of these stories I'm going to share with you, you'll see that, 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 that the doctrine of illumination is taking place where God is opening up the eyes of the people so he can see, they can see what he wants them to see. Guys, you realize that we have a, a, a God in heaven that is very much alive. He's very much concerned about your life. I don't care what you may be going through as an individual. I don't care what you may be facing. There's a God who knows you. He knows where you are. He knows exactly what you're going through. He knows exactly what's taking place in your life. He's certainly aware of all the circumstances and all the dynamics of your life. He's aware of your past. He's aware of what you've done in the past. He's aware of what you even did this morning. He's aware of your thought process and where that has been and where it may be going. And in spite of all of that, he still loves us and he wants to speak to us. Us, and he wants to show us his plan for our life and he wants to show us some things on a daily basis. Hello? 
So we have the Holy Spirit. That's his job. Matter of fact, let me look at a few verses here with you. Turn in your Bibles. By the way, for those that, uh, that do not know, and I hope and pray that, especially if you're in the digital realm of the iPhone, the iPad, the Kindles, and what have you, and you're studying your Bible through those devices, I want you to be sure you log on to Logos.com, uh, LogosBibleSoftware.com. Download that free Bible. It's an app you can get. It's a free Bible there. And whenever you open up the Logos Bible in your iPad or your iPhone, you'll receive a signal from our church right here, and it will have, do you want to follow this presentation today? Have today's date and the presentation. You click yes. And then all you have to do is push the scripture references that I'll be giving you this morning. And it'll take you straight to those verses of scripture in your iPad or in your iPhone. Okay. So I want you to just be aware if, if that's how you do your Bible study method, you can certainly do it there and you can follow. You see, we're trying to make it as easy as we can for you to get into God's word. Hello. <clears throat> so if you have a conventional Bible, lick your finger and turn the pages. Okay. I can't help you there, but you're going to have to flip around in there with me. All right. I want you to look at a few verses of scripture about how God's Word tells us that the Holy Spirit is in our hearts and in our lives to teach us. Look in John 14 and verse number 26. The Bible says, But the Counselor, which is the Holy Spirit, the Father will send Him in my name. Get this. He will teach you all things. Underline that in your Bibles. Mark it on your iPad, whatever the case may be. I want you to get that. The Holy Spirit will teach you all things and remind you of everything I have told you. Now, the job of the Holy Spirit, one of his jobs is what? To teach us. He's to teach us all things. Now, what's he going to teach us? He's going to teach us the truth of his word. In John chapter 14 and verse 17, in John 14 and verse 17, it says he is the spirit of what? Truth. He's the spirit of truth. So whatever it is that the Holy Spirit is going to teach us, I want you to understand you can take it to the bank. Okay, you, you can build your life on it. You can you can establish your family around it. It's the truth of the word of God. And in John 16 and verse 15, the Bible says everything the father has is mine. <clears throat> and this is why I told you that he takes from what is mine and get this and will declare it to you. In other words, the Holy Spirit and God, they don't want to keep you blind of the things of God. God wants to teach us. And the Word of God shows us that He's going to teach us and He wants to declare His Word to every single one of us. You know what that's called? That is called the doctrine of illumination. And I love Ephesians 1, 17 through 19. Ephesians 1, 17 through 19, it says, I pray that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, would get this now. Paul is praying. He says, I'm praying to God that he would do what? That he would give you a spirit of wisdom. You need to underline that in your Bible. You need to get a hold of that. That's what Paul is praying that we would receive is a spirit of wisdom, but there's more, and a revelation and knowledge of him. Paul is praying that the Holy Spirit of God would illuminate our minds to give us this wisdom that James tells us that only comes from God. He wants to give us this wisdom and give us this knowledge and give us this revelation that only comes from God. God wants to reveal himself to us on a daily, on a daily basis. Then I want you to look at verses 18 and 19 of Ephesians 1. Ephesians 1, verse 18 and 19. Paul is continuing in his prayer, and he says, I pray, get this, that the, get this, perception of your mind. Paul is praying for our mind. 
I'm praying for the perception of your mind that it may be what? Enlightened. Paul is praying that the illumination, that the enlightenment would take place in our mind and we would perceive what God wants us to perceive and even to receive. I pray that the perception of your mind may be enlightened so you may know what is the... And then he's going to give us three or four things here that he wants us to know. What is the hope of his calling, the glorious riches of his inheritance, the immeasurable greatness of his power. But the point I want you to see is that God wants to enlighten our minds. In Ephesians 1 and verse number 18, that Greek word for enlightened is photizo. And it just simply means to shine a light on. Matter of fact, it's where we get our English word photo from. And anybody that does photography and takes pictures, you know that it's all about what? Lighting. Okay, everything from the shutter speed to the aperture to the to the to the sensor on the inside. It's all about how much light is getting into the lens. And that's the same thing that applies to our own lives. Paul is praying that our minds would be enlightened to see what God wants us to see through his word. And by the way, here's a good play on words as well. Jesus, one of his names is what he is the. Light. Hello? Man, he's tracking right there with me. He is the light. In other words, whenever we accept Christ as our Savior, He is the light. And we can have spiritual enlightenment as we enrich our relationship with the Holy God. As we get to know Him, and, and of course He knows everything about us, and we know Him more intimately and are spending more time with Him, then the, the process of illumination and enlightenment, it really almost becomes second nature in our life. And now we're just seeing what God wants us to see. I oftentimes tell young believers and young Christians that get hung up on a particular doctrine or, or they may get back into the book of Genesis and they may have a lot of questions there or, or they may get over into the Levitical law and, and they have some questions there. And, and I usually tell young believers and young Christians, listen, don't try to understand everything at the beginning. All right. Now, there's nothing wrong with study and dig a little deeper and try to understand. But listen, some people get so discouraged because they can't understand everything at the beginning. And they feel like, man, I'll never be able to know it. And they get discouraged, close their Bible and quit. Listen, there's a lot of things you don't need to know at the beginning of your spiritual walk with Christ. I mean, God is building a foundation in your life. And as I shared a couple weeks ago, you don't set the steel or set the rafters before you put the footers in, right? I mean, you've got to be sure the foundation is secure enough to be able to hold the weight of the rafters. And listen, there's some doctrine that's out there that's pretty weighty doctrine. And you really aren't ready for that at the early stages of your spiritual walk with Christ. Hello? So, so what I'm saying is this. If you don't understand something, and boy, I remember my theology professor telling me this oftentimes. If you don't understand it, boys, move on. Because apparently God is not in his timetable ready to reveal that to you. Hello? And get this. We, we all, and I include myself, we all need to be more concerned about what we do know than what we don't know. Listen, we all know enough. If we would just do what we already know we're supposed to be doing, how much better off we all would be. Hello? But, uh, you, you know, and, and here's this. I kind of believe this. I don't know that I really have chapter and verse for it, but it's, uh, maybe here's a, a canon thought here and take it or leave it. This is not in the Bible, but I'm going to share it with you. God's not concerned with showing you more truth until, until you start obeying the truth you already know. Hello? Are you with me? 
All right, I got to move on. I've been way too long, way too long. Let, let me show you about three illustrations here in Scripture where the aha moment took place, the doctrine of illumination. We can see an example of it in the Word of God. I want you to turn your Bibles to the book of Genesis, chapter 21. In Genesis chapter 21, here is the story of Sarah and Hagar, her handmaid, and how she got jealous, and Abraham. And, and, and when, when, when illumination takes place, there's three things I want you to see that's taking place. There's actually more, but, but here's at least three. I'll see the solution to my problems. Whatever illumination takes place, then I can look around and I can start seeing some solutions to some of my problems. Why? Because God wants to give me knowledge. He wants to give me revelation. He wants to give me wisdom. He wants to show me some things. Hello? And so whenever illumination is taking place, then I can start having a spirit of discernment and I can start seeing some of the solutions of some of the problems that I may be facing in my own life. Hello? That took place with Sarah. Man, I wish I, I wish I had a whole sermon where I could unpack this story. I don't know what in the world Sarah was thinking. I don't know what even more Abraham was thinking. I mean, I, you know, God had promised him a child and it didn't come fast enough. So, so Sarah said to Abraham, here, take my, my handmaid Hagar and go have sex with her and have a child. Sarah, what are you thinking? Abraham, what are you thinking? Hello? Yeah, he wasn't. Can you imagine? Okay, here's my wife, but I'm just going to take Sarah and, I mean, Hagar, and, and I'll just have sex with her because God's not giving my wife what he promised he would give her, and so I'll do it with her, and we'll have a child, and we'll go back, and we'll expect Sarah to be happy. No, 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 it didn't happen, did it? Right? They went back, and what happened? Sarah was ticked now, right? What happened? Sarah's now what? Jealous. I'm like, Abraham, you're an old man by now. You should have already learned this. Hello? You kind of learned this like in, like in fifth grade, sixth grade. You know, the, the, the scorn of a jealous girl. <laughs> Hello? I mean, y'all with me? You're tracking? So sometimes whenever I read this, I'm just amused and, and I'm thinking, anyhow... That, that's that's the whole picture it thing. I, I, you know, I got to move on. You know, you put yourself in that situation. What are you thinking? But anyhow, she got upset. And of course, Abraham now is... This, Abraham's a great patriarch, okay? I'm not scorning him at all. Thank God for his faith. But, but Abraham now is this wimpy man. Right? Because now he's caught in between these two women. And these women are, are usurping authority over him. And, and all, a mess is happening. And I won't go there. I don't have time to unpack that. But now Sarah's in control of the house, and she says, take this woman and go out and remove her from my house and be done with her and be done with this boy. And, and it's the jealous scorn. And, and, and Abraham now, as a wimpy little man, okay, I'll go do this. And there he goes, and, and I, won't, I, can't, I can't unpack that thought. Let it go. Lord, remove that from my mind. Let it go. But now he goes, and he does what Sarah's commanded him to do, and, and he, he's going out. And he leaves Hagar and his wife out there, and he goes back. And now we find the story in Genesis chapter 21, in verse 14 and following now, that Hagar is now about to die, and her son is about to die. They have no water. They have nothing to draw. They have no water. And she leaves, and I'm paraphrasing, she leaves her son under a bush, and she goes off to a distance because she don't want to see him actually die. And, and he's about to die. No food, no water. And God comes to her. Now, I think it's interesting in verse number 17, God heard the voice of the boy, and the angel of God called to Hagar. Guys, may I remind you that God is always aware of what's going on in our lives. Even, even in this dysfunctional family, hello, God is aware of what's going on in their lives. And, and he says, and he hears the voice of the boy, 
And listen, let me tell you to some of our teenagers and youth and even younger children that are in here, you're never too small for God to hear your cry or your voice. You call out to God, He is listening to you. Hello? It doesn't matter how old you are. You, you don't have to think, boy, I've got to wait till I'm 35 and I'm spiritually mature before God hears me. No, no, no. God hears your voice. Amen? At any time, any moment. He knows you. You're part of His divine plan. You're not here by mistake or accident. I don't care how you were conceived. You're part of God's plan. That's a whole other message. I can't go there. Man, I'm getting off on all these other messages. But God heard the voice of the boy. What's wrong, Hagar? Don't be afraid, for God has heard the voice of the boy from the place where he is. And get up and help the boy and support him, and, and I'll make him a great nation. Boy, I'd love to unpack that, but, but I don't have time. Uh, go, go to verse number 19. Get this. Then God did what? In verse number 19, Genesis chapter 21. Then God what? Opened her eyes. You know what's taking place here? Illumination is taking place here. God opened her eyes. In other words, God wanted her to see the solution to her problem. He opened her eyes so that she could see. And what did she see? She saw a well of water that was there. And she went, she filled the water skin, and she gave water to the boy, and they both lived, and so forth and so on. Let me ask you a question. Do you think the well was there the whole time? I think it was. I think if God would have created a well, he would have told us I created a well. I mean, he he took time to tell us all the details of all these other stories. But all he said he did was open the eyes of who? Hagar. You know what? There Hagar was in her situation, in her life. She was all discouraged. She was all depressed. All she saw was a problem. She laid her boy under a bush to die. She went off and over here weeping and wailing. She said, it's the end of the world. And right before her was the answer to her problem. But she could not see it. Why? Maybe because she really wasn't looking to God. Hello? And God came on the scene. And you know what he did? He opened her eyes, and there she saw the solution to her problem. Guys, we ever been there? Have we ever been to the place where the solution to our problem is right in front of us, and we never saw it? And you know what we need to be doing? We need to be praying, God, I've got this issue. I've got this problem. Open my eyes so I can see what your will is for my life. Lead me out of this. Let your word be aligned into my path and, 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 and to align my every step. Let it, let, it, let it lead me and guide me so I can discover and find the solution to my problem. There they were going to die and a well was right in front of them, but they could not see it because they were blinded by the problem that they had in their life. You know what we all need to be doing? And man, here's another great message. We all are going to have problems. There's not one person in here that's exempt from problems. We're all going to have problems. We're all going to have pain. We're all going to have difficult situations that we're going to be faced with. We're all going to have these circumstances just shout out at us. You know what we need to do? We need to take all of that to the foot of the cross and lay it at Jesus and get into his word and let the doctrine of illumination start start taking place in our life so we can discern and see what the solution to our problems really are. They're usually right there before us. Have you ever had an aha moment like that? To where you look and, oh, man, what am I going to do? And then, oh, there, it's been there. The whole, where, why didn't I see this? Why didn't I think of this? Let me tell you why. Because you were spiritually blinded. You were focused on the problem. You weren't really focused on God. You were focused on your situation. You weren't really focused on his word. You were focused on yourself, thinking, I can do this myself. And we all have to learn the lesson, usually the hard way, that we cannot. Hello? 
Wow, I've got to go. I've got to go. In just a second. I want you, that's the first thing. I see the solution to my problem. When my eyes are open, here's another story. I just wanted to jot it down. I don't even have time to even park here. Go to number two. Not only do I see the solution to my problem, but I see the barrier to my progress. And you remember this story of Balaam the prophet, and he's riding on the donkey and the mule, and how the mule actually speaks? You remember that story? He said, did that really happen? Sure it did. Amen. It did. That's in God's Word. And you remember how the Balaam and the King James Version calls it an ass? You remember how the ass had more sense than Balaam? Hello? Are you with me? You remember how, it, how, how the donkey saw what? Saw the angel of the Lord standing there and would not go down the path. And, and, and on and on and on he goes and Balaam's beating the thing and he does it three times. And finally the, the donkey speak, speaks and, and says, you know, I, have I ever betrayed you? I've taken you everywhere you wanted to go. Have I ever betrayed you? Why would I betray you now? And he scratches his head and his eyes, if you will look, in verse number 31 of Numbers 22 Numbers 22, verse 31, Then the Lord opened Balaam's eyes, and he saw the angel of the Lord standing in the path. Let me just say this, and in passing, man, I'd love to park here and unpack this one, but I don't have time. Let me just say this in passing. Get this now. When your plans aren't working out the way that you think they should be working out, listen to this, you can get angry at other people, or you can let God show you what's holding you back. Hello? Most people choose the first rather than the latter. When plans aren't working out, when my life's not going the way it should be going, when, when my family's not being treated the way that it should be treated, when, when I got all these issues in my life, we usually point at someone else and try to take all of our frustration and our anger and our disappointments out on somebody else. That's what Balaam was doing to the donkey. He beat it three times. You ever been beaten by somebody? Like, why are you beating me? I'm not your problem. Come on now. Man, I'm just, I'm parking in somebody's world right now. Hello? Why are you taking it out on me? I'm not your problem. Hello? Oh, God help me. Man, I just kind of just getting into this thing today and I got to just compose myself a little bit here. That even happens as a pastor. People get ticked off at me about things. Hey, I'm not your problem. Don't take it out on me. I'm just a messenger. Hello? Balaam beating his donkey three times. Beating it, beating it. Listen, when your life's not going the way you think it should go, when you've got problems before you and you don't think they can be solved, you've got one or two choices. You can get angry at somebody and you can take all your frustration out on somebody else. That's why divorce rate is so high because life's not going the way I think it's to go. Therefore, it's my wife's problem. If she would just do this, if she would do that, if whatever. And we can, we can, I'm amazed at how we can justify ourselves in the midst of our problems and blame it all on somebody else. God help us. God help us. It's not the donkey's fault. Hello? Balaam, it's your fault. Why? Because your eyes have been blinded. You know what you need? You need God to open up your eyes. This is the whole doctrine of illumination. Man, it's powerful when you really start understanding it. It's powerful. We can see the solution to our problems. We can see the barrier to our progress. Uh, let me give you a third one here, and, and this is just hit it and go. This is a great one. 
The third one is I can see how God is walking with me all the time. You remember the story in Luke chapter 24, the disciples on the road to Emmaus? And this was after the, the, the crucifixion, and, and then this is on resurrection morning, resurrection day, I should say. And, and they've been in Jerusalem, and, 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 and Jesus now in his resurrected body. Get this. Here's Jesus walking with these disciples on the road to Emmaus. And they're walking with him, and he slides in there, and he says, Hey, boys, what's up? And they're like, What do you mean, what's up? You not been in Jer- You not see what just happened? Where have you been? Under a rock? What are you doing? They just crucified our Lord. They crucified him, and, and he was buried, and then they went to the tomb, and the tomb's empty, and man, our life is just all in. Where have you been? <laughs> Little did they know that was Jesus they were talking to. But you know what was wrong? Their eyes were blinded. They didn't even know that Jesus was walking with them until he started opening his mouth and expounding the word of God. And then the scripture says that as they were walking and he started teaching them in verse number 31, it says, then their eyes were opened and they recognized him. Oh, man, how powerful. I got goosebumps on my neck right now. How powerful that is to realize that we have a God who said this, I would never leave you. You know how long never is? Especially when Jesus says it. Man, it, it never. I mean, there's not anything in the world. I will be with you until the end of the age. I am with you. I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. God's listen. You never, and I love this song we sang earlier, you never walk alone. Now, we may feel like it sometimes. Hello? And we've got to be careful that our perception does not come our reality. Let me say that again. We've got to be careful that our perception does not become our reality. You are not walking alone. You're you're being deceived by Satan himself. You are never alone. Never alone. Hello? And what we need is to get into the Word of God and realize that there is a God in heaven who loves us, who has a plan for us, who has intentions for us, who wants to walk daily with us, and He's right there with us every single day. And we need to pray for illumination to take place, that our eyes will be lifted, and we can see that God is right here with me. He's never left me alone. Man, illumination takes place in many different ways. But I'm going to have Tom and Sharon come here for a moment, and I want them to share their testimony. And here is a lovely couple. And anybody that knows Tom and Sharon, man, I, I, when, I, when I get their age, I, I, that's the kind of marriage I want. I, 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 man, they love each other. Do they not? They love each other. They've come, if you know much about their life, come on guys, if you know much about their life and their story, they've come through valleys, they've come through mountaintops, and they've come through different things in their life, but, but the doctrine of illumination took place in their life, and, and they're going to come and just share a little bit of their testimony, and, and here's the fourth illustration I'll share with you. Good morning. This is a love story between God and two young people. Sharon and I were childhood sweethearts. We lived next door to each other. My parents were never happy with the situation. Sharon wasn't Catholic, and they didn't want us dating. After six years and trying every which way to change their, their, their minds, they sent me to St. Mary's University in San Antonio, Texas. One semester and a lot of homesickness later, I returned home to work with my father in the family business. I kept asking to get married, and they kept saying no. My mother knew that Sharon's parish priest would probably say no. 
He had a reputation for being stern and strict. So he agreed to let Monsignor make the decision. I went to talk with Monsignor, and he said, Well, do you want to get married? I said, Yes. And three weeks later, we were married. (laughs) That's how long you had to announce your vows. Life was good. We had three children. I'm sorry, we had three goals. One, to love each other and family above all else. Two, to love God. Three, to strive to be happy in that order. I have trouble saying that now. It's so wrong. We put God second and us in control. We could achieve what we worked for if we worked hard enough. With that in mind, we worked hard to have nice things for ourselves and for our children. We thought we were in control, not God. That's not God speaking, but the world speaking. We had three lovely children. The first two, Kelly and David, were 11 months apart, and Vicki was born 13 months later. We were following our dream to provide the best we could for ourselves and for our children. That included a nice home, pool, camper, car, motorcycle. You know the toys the devil says you can't do without. The American dream, and there's nothing wrong with that, if God's driving and you realize who's number one in your life. The problem with things is you have them a short time and then it's old hat. You're working so hard, you don't have time to use the things. You also have to take care of all those things. It costs you money and time. Time better spent with the children. You're trying to please with things. Time much better spent with them like a tickle or a hug, fishing, hunting, playing games with them. The thing they need more than anything is to tell them how much you love them and about the Lord and how he loves them. How I wish I had been exposed to Deuteronomy 6, 5-9. Teach your children to love the Lord, your God, with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. These words that I am giving you today are to be in your heart. Repeat them to your children. Talk about them when you sit in your house and when you walk along the road. When you get up, bind them like a sign on your forehead. Write them on your doorpost of your house and on your gates. We miss the relationship with our Lord. Our family missed a close relationship with their Heavenly Father. Our children went to CCD instructions, and we prayed with them when we were little, when they were little. We never read the Bible, the precious word of Christ. I lost my job in St. Louis, and I decided to try getting a job working at the park plant. I got the job by God's grace after being unemployed for five months. A few years later, we bought a farm. It was great being close to the to God and nature on the farm, but very expensive. We really had to work now. We loved the farm. We were a slow study about making decisions. We wanted to make our own decisions, not God. Then ask God to bless us, still thinking we were on a straight and narrow path. Working, working, both working, two jobs now. 
The children all got married within nine months of each other. You really couldn't want better children. But they learned the same work ethic. God never did give up on us. We came through some really scary times together, the three of us. Our son had open heart surgery at the age of 18. God helped us together, although we had trouble coping. We began to realize who's really in control. When my granddaughter was three, they diagnosed her with a very aggressive cancer. And the CAT scan showed a tumor on her brain on her brain, and one on her kidney. I screamed to God, I can't take this, Lord. What do I say to my daughter? God held us all together at this point. Everyone we knew was praying for Sierra. The next CAT scan showed no tumors, praise God. She was still in pain and couldn't bear weight on her legs. Twelve doctors later and with many tests, she was diagnosed with juvenile rheumatoid arthritis. Six months after that, the final diagnosis came. It was residual arthritis, a rare disease that attacks three-year-olds but never comes back. Thank you, Lord. Tom and I never realized that we weren't supposed to take control of our lives because we had no relationship with Christ, but we were beginning to wonder what life was all about. I retired from the Visiting Nurse Association after my dad died because I was working when he died and I wasn't with him. My mother gave us their home in the city after Dad died. We fixed it up. We got the big head and we moved to a bigger house. We fixed that up. In the meantime, the old log home I'd seen for 20 years on my route when I worked for the visiting nurse came up for sale. I wanted that as long as I could remember. We bought it and lost a lot of money in the transaction. Tom was working 12-hour shifts at Illinois Power Plant for 30 days in a row, no days off, and only by the grace of God did he even get home without falling asleep at the wheel. We got the log home, we remodeled it, and I went back to work for Lacefield Music. My boss, Larry, and Larry's sister-in-law, Beverly, now Mrs. Beverly Renfro, and myself, all worked together. They spoke to me a lot about Christ and asked me to Victory Church in Mascuta. I pondered this, but was scared to go. In the meantime, we needed to have this large tree removed in our yard, and Tom was helping guide the rope. He collapsed and couldn't get up. We finally got him in the house. He broke down and cried, What will we do if I can't work anymore? We never felt so alone. We'd worked so hard for all those silly things that now meant nothing. His knee went bad, but we didn't know at the time what was wrong or if he was going to be able to walk and how long he'd be out of work. We decided to take an early retirement at the age of 62. Then the Enron thing happened, and the IP was involved with this, and we lost all but 10% of our 401K. Tom's worn out now, and he's old enough to retire. He's got to retire. Apparently, we haven't done too well in the driver's seat, have we? I decided to take Bev and Larry's advice and go visit Victory Church. This was on a Wednesday night, February 19, 2003. I came early to check things out, and I almost left. 
I was the only one in the parking lot and had time to think about leaving. I'm so glad I didn't, because that's the best thing I ever did. The greeting I got from them was so earnest and warm. I knew only God-filled people could be that loving. And then Pastor John and his family talked to me, and all my fears were gone. I knew Christ was present there. I accepted him in my heart, and I know he'll never leave me or forsake me, that he loves me sinful and flawed as I am. Now, I have a bit of a problem, though. Nothing God can handle, however. I'm not going back to church with Tom. I told Tom what had happened and that he couldn't go back to church with him. He said he understood, but he couldn't go to church with me. But he wouldn't interfere with what I believed. Several months went by. I kept asking him to church and leaving the purpose-driven life around. (laughs) The passion was on at the theater, and we went to see that movie. We discussed the movie, and he agreed to go to church with me, but only once. The same sweet people greeted Tom. Tom also accepted Christ into his heart. This was in April. And in May, we were baptized. Our lives are quite different now. We know who's in the driver's seat. The things have been replaced with God's love. God controls our finances and provides. That's our love story with one very important change. God is number one. God controls everything. Now, with God's help, we have the privilege of hosting 40 days in the Word, to learn the Word, to love the Word, and to live the Word. Thank you, Jesus, for our new church, for our God-loving Bible-teaching pastor and his wonderful family, for all our pastors, for the deacons who never are too tired to share God's love with us. Thank you. Our precious Victory family, we love you dearly. God is watching, and believe me, he likes what he sees. A love story about God to young adults, their family, and their church family. Thank you, God. And thank you, Beverly and Larry, for the invite to walk the rest of our lives in all eternity with our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Thank you, God, so much for sharing your story. And can you see how illumination was taking place in their own life as they were working through life and going through life? I want us right now, I want us to uh, just stand back up, if you will, and I want us to, I want us to sing the old song. You remember the old, the old song we used to sing sometime back called Open the Eyes of My Heart, Lord? Uh, I want that to be our prayer. And, and, and then as soon as we're finishing this song, I'm going to give you a few takeaway things to take with you and service is going to be over. But let's just, let's just meditate on this song. What we've heard this morning already, what's been said, the testimony of Tom and Sharon, whatever you may be going through right now in your life, every single one of us need God just to open our eyes to be able to see what he wants us to see.
How about the kids, the family? How about the extended families? How about the in-laws? Let's stop with the in-law jokes. It's not of God. Hello? Do I need to say that again? Let's stop with the in-law jokes. They're not of God. Those are people that He loves. It's a family that He loves. And the sooner you start loving them, the sooner your eyes will be open to see what God wants you to see. Cleanse my heart, oh God, of sin and conflict. And then number five, it's just our memory verse. Commit to do what He wants us to do. Whenever He shows us what He wants us to see, it's usually going to involve an action plan, something we're going to have to do. And you need to make that commitment now to do whatever it is, God, that you're going to open my eyes to see. I'm going to commit right now to doing it. (laughs) He'll lead you. He'll guide you. He'll show you. But then He'll leave it with you to take the first step. He will not take that step for you. He'll take it with you, but He will not take it for you. So I wonder, as you take these five takeaways home with you, and as we have this song resonating in our heart and in our mind, as we've heard the illustrations in God's Word, and there's many more of illumination taking place, you heard this wonderful testimony of how illumination took place in the heart and the life of Tom and Sharon. What a beautiful couple. That same God that worked in their life, That same God that worked in these biblical illustrations I shared with you. He wants to work in your life today. But you must let Him. You must allow Him. You must ask Him. You must have a relationship with Him. You must ask Him to open your eyes. You must come with a humble spirit. You must cleanse your heart of sin and conflict. And then you must commit right now, God, I'm going to do what you want me to do. I'm tired of playing games with this God. I'm going to do what you want me to do right now. I'm going to pray with you as every head is bowed and every eye is closed. And we're going to sing this song again. And I'm going to ask our associate pastor Paul to come forward and he'll be right here at the front to pray with you. If, if you need to come forward and have someone pray with you, he'll be here. There'll be others that will be available. If you just want to come and kneel by yourself and pray, just come and kneel by yourself and pray. If you want to pray right there in your seat where you are, you can do business with God right there where you are. But God's today, 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 we must take that first step. You're not going to have all the answers. But let's look to God who does. Let's take that step today. Father, we commit this time of invitation. The climax of the service is right now. To where people are making decisions for you. God, if there's one here today that does not know you as their Lord, as their Savior. They've never entered into a relationship with you. My prayer is that today would be the day of salvation. Today would be the day that they just let go and allow you to take control of their life. Today would be the day that they would take that first step. To open their hearts and allow you to come into their life and be their Lord and be their Savior. 
there's one here today that needs to pray a prayer like that, just pray something like this. Say, God, I realize that I'm a sinner. That I've got sin in my life. And my sins nailed your son Jesus to the cross. And right now I pray that you would forgive me of my sins. You cleanse my heart, cleanse my life. I believe that Jesus is your son. I believe he died on the cross for my sins. I I believe he was buried. I believe he rose from the tomb victoriously the third day. I I believe in the gospel of Jesus Christ. And right now I, I repent of my sins. I ask Christ into my life. Maybe you're here and you've already prayed that prayer back maybe years ago. But you look in your own life and your your eyes are blinded to some things that, that you need them opened to right now. Why don't you just pray and ask God, search my heart. Convict me, oh God, of sin in my life. Convict me of attitudes that I have towards people. Forget me of, forgive me of of wrong things that I think and say and do to individuals. Cleanse my heart, oh God. Show me areas in my life you're not pleased with. I repent of that, God. I ask for forgiveness. I come humbly to you and ask you to open now my eyes. Help me to see the solution to my problems. Help me to see the barrier to my path. Help me to see that you are walking with me when I feel so all alone. Open my eyes, oh God. Father, we commit this entire service to you. As we come to the conclusion of our time together, decisions that have been made, we commit them to you. We pray that your will be done in all of our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Thank you for joining us for this message from the Word of God. We know that the truth you have just heard will change your life, if you believe it and intentionally apply it. If you need someone to pray with, or maybe you just want someone to talk to, please call us at 618-622-9360. That's 618-622-9360. Or you can email us at victory at victorychurchonline.net. That's victory at victorychurchonline.net. If you're interested in obtaining more teaching materials or if you'd like to partner with us in this ministry, please contact us. You can call, email, or send a request to 715 Lake Point Center, Suite 109 in O'Fallon, Illinois. Or come check us out on the web at www.victorychurchonline.net. And again, we thank you and are glad you could join us.